0: and what we do and, and honors us. As we honor him, he honors us and, is, and blesses us. And we are privileged that, you know, um, that can happen, you know. And I, you say, well, it was just fortunate that that individual found it and, and had a, well, let me tell you, for the Lord, to, uh, as many times as I have wondered whether or not folks uh, on a holiday rush wouldn't pick it up and say, well, I'm going to help myself to the cash and and uh, that's my reward for turning in your license and justify whatever they do. I, I they, You know, the Lord is good and, and he is merciful and he is kind. And I, I that is a, a great miracle and how hard it is just sometimes to replace all of that uh, sort of stuff so we are glad you're here we are like i said have no service tonight we are what growing apostolic legacy. And what those words mean is that hopefully we're growing not only in number, but we are growing in uh, uh, growth spiritually, in the fruit of the spirit, and the knowledge, and we're growing uh, in those ways. We're also apostolic. What that means is we believe in the apostles doctrine. And in fact, there's probably uh, one page in the Bible uh, that that ought to be torn out and put uh, four books later, and that's the book called uh, the page called New Testament. It it actually doesn't, the New Testament doesn't start at the beginning of Matthew. Uh, Testament means will and it's uh, the last will in Testament. There has to be a death and really the New Testament technically starts at the death of Jesus Christ and then the resurrection thereof. Because you see it's easy to think uh, when you read in the New Testament, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John about about the life of Jesus and what he, he was, but he was born under the law. But it was through his death burial, and resurrection that the New Testament actually technically began. And so when you look then the book of Acts is the history of the early church and we believe in what the book of Acts preaches and teaches and we believe of course what Jesus taught and and, uh, from there on through we are kingdom minded and we're missions minded and and, uh, we believe that we should be a Christ like person a Christian live and represent the Lord where we are and we have a great legacy here this church has Tremendous history uh, over a hundred years, and it has uh, times uh, that history can be overwhelming. In that you're trying to repair buildings and uh, uh, keep you know the roof from leaking, and the parking lot's fixed. But hallelujah, it's a good a good thing, and what a great history of people and the testimonies, and and just those that are here, many of, of whom know people uh, on through that, uh, in fact, Brother David Post was looking, I think maybe it was a picture Brother John Reagan put on Facebook or something and he was showing it to me uh, over the holidays and said, now that's uh, Sister Glover she was on the keyboard and that must have been Daniel Glover's mother, I'm guessing, and he was going through the list of all the, it was an old picture of folks from around here. and We have some folks that are here that are 5th and 6th generation of people that attended church here. What a privilege, what a testimony, what a legacy, what a great history. And of course we know that this was as uh, been said uh, the Thanksgiving week and this Thanksgiving time is wonderful we overeat and uh, probably uh, watch too many football games or whatever you do shop too much on Friday or, or fight too many sales or whatever, whatever your tradition is family deal with uh, family and maybe get uh, uh, thankful that you don't have to live with them all the time and uh, uh, have to see them and just you know you know can only take so much and uh, all of those kind of things and, and here it is. So we are of course thinking and talking and praying about being thankful. David said it like this. Psalms 100th chapter enter into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with, praise and uh, you know uh, you say why would he say it like that enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and then he goes on to say be thankful unto him and bless his name and he goes on here's why for the lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations so Those are three things that we ought to be able to be thankful for. You may not be able to thank God for a new job, a new vehicle. You may not be able to thank God for uh, a new home. You may not be able to thank God for wonderful peace in your family. You may not have a lot to be thankful for, but one thing you can always be thankful for, and that is that number one, the Lord is good. The Lord is good all the time. He is merciful, and his mercy is everlasting, meaning that it doesn't evaporate. It don't use it up, and it's over. You know, we can be merciful so much, and that's why the disciples came to the Lord and said, okay, now, you know, tell us just how many times do I have to forgive whenever someone has done me wrong? And, you know, may- maybe what, Lord, seven times? I mean, You know, before I write them off, before I get mad and say, I can't be with you anymore. What is, do I have to forgive them seven times? How many times, Lord? And the Lord, you remember what the Lord told him, looked at him and said, oh, well, let's try 70 times seven. Why could he say that? Because His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is new every morning. What are you saying? I am so glad that we serve a merciful, loving, kind God. And in this hour, whenever there's all kinds of stuff that we have to, that is coming at us and bombarding our hearts and minds, we ought to be able to be thankful that His mercy is everlasting. That he is good to us, that his mercy is everlasting and then that his truth endures to all generations and that is that sense of Lord thank you for your truth, thank you for your word, your word is truth, thank you that it goes the same from one generation to another. You know, I know times change, and I know things change, and I know maybe understandings change, and I, and all of us that have been in and around the church can say, wow, the church has changed, the music changed, the, the this changed, and it wasn't the, this way when I was growing up, and uh, it wasn't that way, and yet the word of God does not change, and oh, the very thing that has already been mentioned, that individuals can be filled with his spirit and buried in his name and can come out of a sin soaked world and have a new DNA and have a new be a new creature in Christ Jesus I'm telling you the Lord is still able to change. Oh you say we didn't have an opioid problem 25 years ago or or maybe a meth problem 50 years ago but the same God that delivered folks from alcohol and tobacco and those hard things 40 years ago or 50 years Is the same God that is able to take and redo and and change a drug addiction problem now. The same God that dealt with marriages and put them back together however many years ago is still able to do it. His truth lasts from generation to generation. You say, well... I, I don't understand. I, I don't know if I could, you know, I, I don't know if this applies to me. I wasn't raised this way. I I didn't have this. And you all have five generations and six generations and it's all new to me. I want to tell you there's a history of people, it being new to them. Whenever the Holy Ghost was outpoured, brand new experience. And, and they left churches where they were established and left families and they came and they said, you know what? God's done something to me and I'm sorry, but I'm different, and I felt something, and it's real. That same thing is happening in 2019, and should the Lord tarry 2020, His truth endures for all generations. What? How to be thankful for that, and I know some of you, and I, some of our young folks are blessed. They, they don't know what it is. They don't know what it is to have family that well, were You know, (coughs) bound by alcohol or whatever, drugs, and all kinds of issues, and they don't know what that is. They were raised in a in an environment that was very sterile, and they were (coughs) their parents met because of God and because of church and because of trying to live for God. Oh, were they perfect? No. And does sin impacted every home? Yes. But you know what? The truth of God to save you wherever you are, and. to meet you wherever you are it still applies in 2019 as it did in 1975, as it did in 1950, as it did in, in 1900. The truth of God is still everlasting Amen. and applies to every generation. And in fact, that whole fair sense is that it's every generation that has to make up their mind to be thankful. Because no matter how Many generations you've been raised, and we all know. And I get amazed. I'm around town, and I'll see somebody, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, my my family was raised. I, I went to Sunday school there. Oh yeah, I, huh?" And you go, "Wow, what happened? It didn't pick up for the next generation. What happened? Because every generation has to become first generation." And you know as well as I do, if everybody that had received the Holy Ghost or his family or had been raised or been in our Sunday school department were here today, there's no way this church could hold them. There's no way we could have an auditorium big enough to hold them. We'd have to not only have multiple services, but we'd have to start them on Saturday and have multiple services on a Saturday and multiple services. Why? Because it's supposed to go from this generation to the next generation. But unless I I make it personal to me, you know what, it doesn't take very long until it's just uh, I'm a brand new convert. And so Thanksgiving, what does Thanksgiving do? It honors, brings honors to God because it's like saying, thank you. It's like, I don't know, maybe you, you did it this week. <laughs> thank those when you pray. Lord, bless the hands that prepared it. Or you said to your spouse or you said to somebody, thank you for making this. They said to your husband, thank you for going to the store 782 times and thank you. I don't know thank you for making too many desserts and thank you for making too much thank you for making enough left so we had leftovers later on and you know I don't know what it is but that brings honor to them when you thank someone it's like giving them credit it's like giving them honor When I say thank you, I am giving honor. I am recognizing. And so why would the Lord talk about the need for us to be thankful? Is because in this hour, whenever we start thinking I'm a self-made man, this is my problem, this is my work, this is my life, it's important to recognize, you know what? He is my source. He is the one that brought me out. He is the one that gave me breath. He is the one that gave me strength. Why? Because in a moment, it could change. In a moment, it could all be different. That's why I can stand every morning and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me today. You are my source. Now, I understand. And Paul wrote in Romans about people. And he said, You know, and he was talking about how they had gotten off track and how they were doing wrong and all the things that they were doing. And he told the church at Rome, he said, when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. And what happens when you quit being thankful and acknowledging God, you start becoming vain in your thoughts. And what vain means is empty and in your imaginations, now, what, what do you mean? Because you begin to think that you can do whatever maybe you do it and you won 't get caught, maybe I can do this, and it'll be okay, and i can and you will think your way either into doing something wrong, immoral, illegal, or you'll think your way into being depressed and sad and overcome and overwhelmed because nobody liked me and I thought if I did this, everything would happen. You become vain in your thought process. And then the Bible said, then the next step is your foolish heart or your emotions get dark. And we have seen, you know, uh, amazingly, that, that in, in America, the, the, they're talking, you know, and I read the headlines, and more and more young folks are, are wanting to terminate or end their life, and more and more are feeling the stress and, and all of the situations that are going on, and I'm overwhelmed and I'm anxious, and I'm, I'm, I'm oh, you know, let me tell you what part of that is because I quit acknowledging God in my life and quit being thankful, quit acknowledging who my source is. I start thinking, I can do it. I can do it on my own, by my own hands, by my own way. I'm able to, I'm able to go to school. I'm able to get a good job. I'm able to do this. I'm able to, you know, find a good husband, wife, whatever. I'm able to get, and let me tell you, I, 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 and it all of a sudden won't, you know, you'll reach at some point when you go wow it's not working like I thought it was this didn't happen the way all of a sudden I run into a bad professor all of a sudden I run into a bad situation all of a sudden and and so I'm doing it and it's you ought to be depressed you know probably most of us may have even you know in the midst of having what was supposed to be a great celebration you know, you might have looked around and said, wow, Lord, why'd you put me in this family? <laughs> I look at some and I go, oh, man, I didn't realize that. Well, what are you talking about? Oh, if you just look at it in the natural, something in life is going to make you feel overwhelmed. Amen. Where you are, what you're doing, your health, your... huh? Or you can say every as you get up in the morning. Today is the day the Lord hath made. I will be thankful. I will be blessed. I will give him glory. I will give him praise. Oh, I'm going to acknowledge that he is good and his mercy endures forever and the truth that the Lord is providing and caring for us. When you start allowing your pride to tell you that, you know, it's something that I'm doing and that I'm the one that's providing i want to tell you you are destined to have mental and emotional issues you can say well i'm not going to have them i'm i'm going to i am going to completely no let me tell you when you stop thanking god it starts getting in your mind and getting in your heart and your emotions, and you say, well, how does that work? I I don't know, I I don't know how it is, but it's our soul, because somehow our soul realizes that, you know what? It's not, I can't do anything, and there's times when you feel helpless, and you feel hopeless, and you you know, I mean, you know, when you go to the doctor, or when you have this happen, or the professor, or this, or that, there's nothing you can do about it, but you know what? If I thought on every situation, there's nothing I can do about this. There's nothing I can do about it. Sister Pauline Hooper was in my office this morning and saying, you know what? I I need to find a place in Newark and I need to find a place in my daughter in Mount Vernon and we got, and she was going through all this and she said, but you know what we can do? We can pray about it. And so we, you know, that's why we had a prayer request. Pray for Sister Hooper that the Lord will find her a place. What are you saying? I don't know how, I don't know where, but I do know a God that knows everything. Everything and sees everything and I can pray when I don't know what else to do I can pray about it and the Lord answers prayer. So to acknowledge him and to be thankful for him is to say Lord I know you're powerful and so when you stop and think of that Psalms the 90th chapter 92nd chapter David said it like this it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth your loving kindness in the morning. That means to get up in the morning and talk about how good he is. And by the time you go to bed at night to talk about how faithful he is. I wanna tell you something. If you're going through it and you're feeling overwhelmed in your emotions and you're feeling overrun in your thoughts and it just seems like you're being bombarded, I want you to make up your mind. I'm gonna sing every morning. I'm gonna be thankful. I am gonna start being thankful. I don't know what I'm going through. I don't know how. But rather than to worry about that, I'm going to say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And I want you to understand your truth goes from generation. What a privilege it is to know you, oh Lord. And most of the children are thankful after Thanksgiving because they realize that Christmas is on the way. and uh, it's not going to be long and you know they see all of the displays in the stores and all the trees and here we have them beautiful decorations and it's beginning to look a lot (laughs) like christmas that's it and lights just do something for a tree you know there's trees, there's... But when you put lights on them, because there's no amount of darkness that can overpower a light. Right. Amen. In, in other words, you, you can't add 20 more decibels of darkness or lumens of darkness and make that light go away. Light, in fact, gets brighter... darker the night, the brighter the light. You go to downtown Columbus or Chicago and you look up and there's only one or two stars. (laughs) Three stars. Maybe you can't even hardly see a star. And yet you come out and go out into the woods or the desert five miles from everybody. And you look up and you go, wow, where'd all those come from? Well, they were there all the time. But the darkness, as the darkness increases the light, begins to become more manifest and actually becomes more manifest and becomes brighter and I I know that when we think of Christmas it's that sense of all the lights and all the decorations and some of you may have spent yesterday putting up Christmas trees and decorating with lights and uh, putting up lights on your home and all those wonderful things and I know it's that sense of Christmas time is coming and yet when you think that's that's something to be so thankful for just thankful for Christmas I know Christmas is not probably Jesus was not born on the 25th of of December at all. In fact, uh, historically the shepherds were in the fields. I get it. That's probably in March or April or sometime then that he was born when the lambs are giving birth and that's why they were in the the fields watching and I I get it. But yet, you know, this is the time. This is the time that we say, you know, we're going to celebrate. In fact, I got a blurb that, uh, (coughs) that they say there's a piece of wood from the manger that the the Catholic Church just released to go to Bethlehem and to be placed in one of the churches there as a relic that you could go see. I don't know how they know it's from the manger. I don't know how they know it's from then, but that's uh, they're sending it now, I guess uh, there and said they couldn't ship the whole manger, but they could ship a piece of wood off of it. I don't know. Might have been a pencil that they found laying around somewhere. I have no idea how they authenticate that. But the point is, it, it's, it's that time that you are thankful you know, that the Lord came. And as I know, even though we realize that starting you know, the New Testament didn't start until his death, burial and resurrection, uh, we recognize that in fact the Lord had to be born. And he was, the Bible says, a child of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost or me Mary and she conceived and so the Bible goes into uh, some specifics about Joseph was willing to take her but did not uh, have relations with her until after the birth of Christ and although he found and heard that she was with a child and so we believe in the virgin birth and uh, that Mary was a virgin and that whole scenario right there is miraculous indeed. What a miracle that, you know, uh, then as in even now, sometimes it's, uh, you know... Uh, hard to imagine being a, a, a girl, and and she's espoused to be married and engaged. That's what it means. And yet, uh, you know, comes up and is expecting a child. How does that impact Joseph? And in fact, an angel had to go and talk to Joseph, and 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 because you know, how do you prove that? How do you uh, go through that? And how the shame? And how do you know all of that? And so Mary is is. Pondering wondering all of this and going through all of that and decides to go see her cousin Elizabeth remember part of the christmas story and Elizabeth has had her own miraculous encounter and and uh, was told that she was going to give birth to the forerunner of the Messiah or John and and uh, she is now uh, about 6 months along and when Uh, Mary approaches Elizabeth and sees her. Something happens. Elizabeth starts blessing the Lord and being thankful. Now you wouldn't even think that should happen. You know, it should be, oh Mary, what's going on? I, I heard, huh? Now tell me, I'm your cousin, tell me exactly what happened. Huh? So something supernatural took place and Elizabeth began to be thankful and proclaim blessings and Mary responds with this great hymn of praise and thanksgiving and, and in fact it's often referred to as the magnificent because, uh, magnificent because it's a time and you can read it in Luke about blessing the Lord and being thankful and how are you going to be thankful whenever this all of this is strange, it's weird, it's gone on and here we are and and they were not a wealthy family they were not a rich family they were born and he was put in a stable and here he was they were pretty much poor and homeless and yet we don't hear Mary saying well that is horrible and what's going on and I, I understand the heavenly host came and what did the Bible say they were singing praises and sang and the heavens acknowledged his birth and these lower class Jews In fact, shepherds were some of the lower class folks in the Jewish society because obviously even uh, in that day, you know, the farmers were the ones that, you know, were more rough and they were dirty. And then if you are out sleeping under the stars with sheep and there's not nearby showers and hot baths, I don't know if you've ever smelled a sheep farm, but it doesn't take them many days. You may have a dog and you can wash that dog today and by just tomorrow, it's amazing. I don't know where, what, what they do, what they get into, but imagine a sheep and imagine sleeping with them and curling up next to them and them being all around you. and <clears throat> So they're lower class shepherds that came to acknowledge his birth and yet the paradox is that the Jews the lower class came but for the Gentiles the higher class wise men that traveled from the east came to acknowledge his birth and they brought gifts and so when you stop and think this was beginning this whole process of here it is the God of creation coming to earth and you know you, you realize what God did for us. That's why Paul would write it, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and you through his poverty might be rich. What a privilege that is, that we who have nothing, we who are Gentiles, we weren't even Jews, and this time when Jesus was born, the, the gospel was, wasn't open to the Gentiles it was for the Jews only the Lord was dealing with Jews and yet all the way through he would have those moments where it was whether it was the Syrophoenician woman or the woman from Samaria or whatever that he would uh, uh, open the door if you will to Gentiles but you know what it was through his poverty through his willingness to come and be born in a stable you can't go much lower more than that in birth. You can't say, well, you know, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you've come from. The Lord knows where you are and he is able to take you and make you a new creature and make you rich in Christ Jesus. What a, be, what a thing to be thankful for because Luke said it like this, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What are you saying? God came down so that we could have joy. I preached about it last Sunday. Abundant life. Oh, what a privilege. The enemy wants us to live beneath our privileges. He will attack us. He wants us to feel like we don't have anything to rejoice about. But I'm here to tell you through Thanksgiving and Christmas, you ought to have a joy. I know our children, you know, they're smiling because they're thinking about what's coming in a form of a present. But you know what? we ought to be the most I know fighting the crowd getting online not being I get it there's frustration having to deal with people I don't know if I want to be with I get it but you know what this ought to bring the greatest spirit of joy unspeakable and full of glory why? because the Lord has been so good that he would come and come down and be born in a stable so that it doesn't matter who you are I who was a Gentile I, I may, oh, I may be second generation, third generation, fourth, fifth, sixth, but you know what? The Lord didn't have to call us out of darkness, but because of his mercy, because of his goodness, because his truth endures all, oh, what a privilege it is. Oh, and you say, well, I, I don't know. I just, hard to be thankful, and I know you can get bills, and yet, the angels proclaimed unto you shall be good tidings of great joy. That's hard sometimes when you stop and think about what all I'm going through. And yet, that's that's the miracle of all of this. Is the fact that as John, we read in St. John, the first chapter, he started the 10th verse. He said, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world didn't know him so how could that be that's why we talk about god being taking on flesh being manifest being willing to be born of a of a woman imagine the God of the universe coming down and being in the world and the world being made by him and yet the world not knowing who he is. Here's this little baby born in a manger and he doesn't realize he was the one that made all of this. He came to his own that's the Jews and his own didn't receive him but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the SONS OF GOD. THINK OF THAT. TO THEM gave he power to become the sons of God. He, God of universe, the God that spoke the worlds into existence, the God that stood on the expanse of nothing and said, let there be light and there was light. The God that formed all the animals, the God that did all of that said I'm going to come and be born in flesh so that you and I can be born again in the spirit and now be called the son of God you want to say he's the son of God guess what we can be the sons of God first generation what a privilege (laughs) even to those that believe on his name which are born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God what are you saying I am so thankful I can be born again and I, I have i had people say, "Well, do you have to be born again?" And I'm thinking, "I want to be born again." Why wouldn't you want to be born again? Why wouldn't you want to get into a different family? Right. <laughs> I mean, imagine—I I appreciate my folks. I love them, but imagine—you know—if somebody extremely wealthy said, "I'll adopt you." I might say, love (laughs) y'all. I'll always call you dad number one, but this guy's got a lot. (laughs) Maybe you wouldn't. We'll talk about it. Don't be depressed. I might say, hey, how about adopting him? You know, that way he wouldn't offend his dad. His dad's passed away. So let him adopt you and then you give it to me. I mean, you know. Uh, you, you, why wouldn't you want to be adopted as a, have a heavenly birth? Wow. Wow. Can you imagine which are born not of the will of man but of God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten father full of grace and truth. What are you saying? John later wrote it in one of his epistles he said hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. When you realize that Jesus came in the flesh that's what you understand understand that's who God is. He came in the flesh for one purpose only, so that he could die, so that I could be born into the family of God. Oh, how thankful I am. <sighs> every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God and this is the spirit of antichrist wherever you've heard should come and is now already in the world you see God took on flesh and he went through an earthly birth so that we could have a heavenly birth and you say well you know, church is a good thing. It's a club you join. It's not a club. It's not a club you join. It's not something you join on Sunday. It's not, so, yes, you come on Sunday. Yes, you can come on Sunday night, and not tonight, we won't be here, but you know, Wednesday night, you can come, you can do, and yes, we, it's like a fraternity, and I know people go, oh, you know, well, when you know these people, they all, you know, <coughs> get together, and it's just all about you, and you don't care about, it. that's not true, but But anyway, you know, they want to justify. But let me tell you, it's not like the 4-H. It's not like the Lions Club, the Knights of Columbus, a club that you join. This is something that you have to be born again. Why? Because he came and was born earthly so that I could have a heavenly birth. That's what it's all about. I get to have a heavenly birth. I get to be a new creature. I'm thankful for that what he went through. That's why Christmas came. It was not just so that I could, you know, give presents and that's wonderful but it was so that I could have the new birth. Luke talks about the Christmas story and I'll be talking some more about it I know next Sunday and then in two weeks from today I think it is our children have their program and the choir does theirs on Sunday night and December is going to be busy and so I get it but here it is and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger and what does that last phrase say why did she put him in a manger There was no what? Room in the inn. So can you imagine? Jesus submitted, the God of the universe, was willing to be born at a time. He could've picked October, he could've picked December, he could've picked May, he could've picked a whole nother time. Why did he pick a time when they were having taxes? Well, we read, those of you who are biblical scholars can answer that because Mary and Joseph were not living in Bethlehem but they needed to go to Bethlehem for him to be born and so the tax thing made them pick up and go back to their home of birth in order to be taxed so that it could be fulfilled what the Old Testament said about out of Bethlehem would come the Savior. And so we know, we know the answer to this, but now he picks a time when it's crowded and, it's, and there's no room and there's no place for them to go. Here she is expecting a child and they finally, they come and you know the story, the innkeeper and we all know it and you know says, I'm sorry, no room and uh, my, my wife, look, she's going to have a baby. Is there any place we can, I don't care, sleep in the barn, you can go sleep in the barn with all the animals. They get a little trough and they put some hay in it and swaddling clothes, which would mean just a, a rough thing. And this is where the God of creation comes and is born, at a place where there's no room, nobody. Horrible. Imagine the very God that spoke worlds into existence. They could have said, let there be houses, let there be caves, let there be whatever. Says, I will come and submit to being overcrowded and not having any place. And yet in John, Jesus himself said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house. There's all kinds of places. There's many mansions not just a little room. And I know we used to sing the song, just give me a cabin in the corner of glory. We're not going to a cabin in the corner of glory. I'm not, Oh, you know, heaven's not going to be a stable and a manger and all those, oh, our many mansions. And he said, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. What are you saying? That the God of the universe who would be born and not have a place to lay his head that he would do it so that one day he could have a mansion for the bride to come. What a thing to be thankful for. How could I not praise him? How could I not thank him? You say, well, I don't live in a nice house now or a mansion. Or, oh, I wish I had of that. I will. Let me tell you something. The Lord has a mansion prepared for us. I don't care what I live in here. If I just have to pull cardboard over me and sleep on a park bench, I'm going to a place where there are mansions and streets of gold and gates of pearl. I'm thankful. <laughs> Oh, You say, oh, but you don't understand. I, I, I don't, I, you don't know what I'm going through. I, I get it. I understand. I wish I could tell you, but you know what? The Lord came so that he could change all of that. In fact, Luke, he told him, and suddenly the angels and a multitude of heavenly hosts were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men oh wow imagine it is birth the very heavens opened up the angelic host began to praise God oh I wish I could have been there I wish I could have seen that let me tell you Jesus told him. he said let me tell you something you don't realize they sang when I was born and put in a stable but guess what the angels that same angelic host oh when somebody comes and repents of their sins and says Lord i I want to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Those same angels that sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Jesus said, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. What do you say? When you come and you feel like I don't, nobody knows, nobody knows what I'm going through, nobody cares. I I'm telling you, the heavenly hosts know where you are. The heavenly hosts know that you're repenting. The heavenly hosts have joy. You may say, nobody around here cares, but I'm telling you, the angelic hosts begin to break out in singing. Glory to God. There's somebody that was a child of God. This is the Son of God. Look at them. Oh, they're repenting. They're asking God for forgiveness. They're asking God for mercy. Wow. Can you imagine? He came so that we could have that course. I've often wondered sometimes, Lord, you know, when you're going through it, Lord, if you could just roll back to heaven a little bit. Let me hear what's going on in heaven now. Oh. Why? Because sometimes it feels like, you know, you're being bombarded and you're being attacked. I don't feel like, I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway because I know what's going on. I want to tell you when you break through like that, the angels in heaven go, guess what? Ooh, hallelujah. He's repenting, hallelujah. He's letting the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God flow through him. Hallelujah they begin to sing and rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, I know. Time, I got it. We don't have service tonight, so give me just a couple more minutes, if you would. (laughs) Matthew, the second chapter. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child. This was after the wise men, remember I told you, the, the wealthy intellectual of the Gentiles acknowledged Jesus and the low-class Jews did, but a lot of the middle-class folks didn't, and that's amazing. But it's amazing that the the wise men did. And you know the whole story of the wise men, and I'm sure you'll hear about it and. You'll remember it and read it, but when they departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. Because what ha- happened was Herod told the wise men, you go and find out where he is and come back and tell me. And the, the wise men... The, Angels of the Lord told him, said, don't do it. Don't go back. Go back home a different way. And when he heard that they did not report to him, he got so angry that he took and he decided to kill all the children two years of age and under in Bethlehem. Murder them all because he did not want somebody to be born that would be the Messiah, the King of the Jews, that would take possibly his place. Although what he didn't realize is Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king. He came to be the king of kings and the lord of lords and be all the way, have a spiritual kingdom. But Herod didn't know that. And so he got angry. He started a genocide. Started killing all these babies. And so they saw the Lord spoke to Joseph and said go to Egypt for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him so that next morning Joseph gets up here he is he's got a little baby and we don't know whether he was six months old a year old however long it took for the wise men to come and and maybe two years old at that point that he was you know probably at some point That that's why he killed from two and under and all those things and so here he was and they, they take that and you know they jump on the nearest jet plane. That was a struggle because (laughs) going through customs and packing, you know, all kinds of things, you know, to get in a car and drive for 40 miles or 50 miles and find a place close to park because you got a little baby and, oh man, it's strollers and all that kind of stuff and diapers and and pampers and all those kind of things. You know, how hard we got it now, well, guess what? About 2,000 years ago, multiply that young mother, baby, were going on a trip to Egypt, and whether it's a little donkey, whether they're walking, whether they weren't a rich family, they didn't have a chariot, it's at night. there's usually robbers and thieves. And, and so I'm gripping my 38, you know, a little tighter in my belt, because who knows? <laughs> And I was trained as a carpenter? (laughs) I'm not a soldier. I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to defend myself. And yet, the Lord said, go to Egypt. And he departed. Why? Because Herod's mad. And Herod's going to kill all the little children that are two years of age and younger. And you say, oh, I... Jesus knew what it was to run for his life, if you will. Joseph, to take the child. But when you continue reading in these verses in Matthew, it tells you, and I didn't put them on on the screen, but in the 15th verse and the 16th verse, it said that Jesus, the Lord of the universe, did all of this so that a prophecy could be fulfilled in the Old Testament that said, my son is going to come up out of Egypt. So, To fulfill the word of the Lord, he sent him to Egypt and running as it appeared for his life so that the prophecy would be fulfilled that he would come up out of Egypt. Now you may say, well, well, you know, you don't understand what I'm going through, what I'm stressed about, what's overwhelming. Let me tell you why he did all of that. The Bible is very clear. Paul probably wrote Hebrews and he said, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage for verily he took not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham what are you saying? I'm saying it might. you might think that Jesus allowed Herod to chase him into Egypt because he was afraid of dying but I'm telling you It wasn't going there for fear. It was because it was fulfilling the word of God. But I want you to understand, because he went through all that he went through, I don't have to live in fear of Herod or of the government or of what's going to happen in the world or global warming. There is no fear. Why? Because of God came and destroyed the one that has power over death, hell, and the grave. We live victorious. Say, so I... I I'm so bothered. And this, I've got so many. And this is worrying me. And that's worrying me. And this is overwhelming me. And what if I got cancer? And what if I get Alzheimer's? And what if I die? And what if I get, let me tell you what. He took upon himself the form of of a human so that I could have the fear of death taken off. I'm told, oh, you know, yes, I need to do, eat right and do all, but guess what? I'm not afraid of this because I need no, know I'm going to see my dad, my real dad, my heavenly father. So I'm not where he conquered death, hell and the grave. I don't die. I fall asleep and I rise to be with him. So the Lord is able to help us through anything. Amen. We're able to have joy in the midst of all that's going on because of what Christmas came. And he went through that so that I would not have to go through that. When you look? Luke, he said, and he went down with them. This is after now. He's, this happened at 2 and about 12 or 13, 14, I don't know, somewhere in there about the time that he was allowed to go with his family. He's a young boy now. And you remember he goes to Jerusalem and they can't find him and he's in the They leave and they think he's with them and they think, well, he's with family and they're all going back. And they begin to talk, and they go a day and a day and a half, and they begin to realize Jesus is not here, and so he's back in Jerusalem, and so he goes back to Jerusalem, and there he is in the temple, and he's expounding the doctors and the twelve years old, and he's they're amazed that he understands the word. Well, you know, why he understood the word; he spoke the word, and it was like, well, you know, hello, this is his father's business, and he tries to tell. Mom, you don't realize I must be about my father's business, and yet you know, I'm sure there was a little bit of Jesus. You know what? We've had to walk now, and now we're three days out, and we had to walk a day, and then we came back. You know how worried I've been. Do you know what you put me through? I can't believe I don't know what Mary said to him, but you can imagine that she was a little bit yeah. perturbed. Yeah. If you lost your child for a day and a half, and then a day and a half back, you might be a little bit hot under the collar. And Mary was just about that way. And he says, I was about my father's business. Sorry. Wasn't even paying attention to it. And she grabbed him, no doubt, by the ear. I don't know. Now you march home, boy. And don't talk to me. You're not eating supper tonight, I'm telling you now. (laughs) Don't even think about it. And the verse in Luke says, And he went down with him and came to Nazareth and was the God of the universe. Allowed a mom and dad to correct him, to tell him what to do, to go through, to tell him, don't you do this anymore. And yet his mother began to ponder, what did he mean when he said, I must be about my father's business? His dad's a carpenter. What's all this mean? And no doubt she began to think about what the angel had said and all, do you understand? And yet sometimes whenever I can feel myself being, it's like I've been mistreated and I. I've been asked to do something I didn't want to do, and I I can't believe, and they're putting this pressure on me, and somebody's making me do this, and somebody, oh, when it really comes down to it, we realize we have a freedom in Christ. Oh, I'm still subject to the government, and I'm subject to the, all the, the leaders and the governors and the kings and the masters and, and and professors, but you don't have to feel like you are a slave or in bondage to anybody. You do it as unto the Lord. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians and, and in these books about Ephesians about do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because I want you to know we have a liberty that was granted to us. Christ made us free and we are not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. This is why whenever the enemy tries to get the lust of the flesh, whether it's a habit, whether it's something that I he wants me to get entangled in that I can't, you know, oh this is going to control your life and it's going to be your master. That was not why the Lord came to Calvary. He came and submitted himself so that I could live free. I could be free and whom the Son has set free is free indeed what do you say I don't have to be bound by whatever it is fill in the blank tobacco alcohol uh, pornography you name it whatever you want to put there God is able to set you free and he came to Calvary and submitted himself so that I could be free (laughs) Last slide. I'm, I know. I'm through. It's Thanksgiving and thank you for being here and it's Christmas is coming. And I get it. But here it is. Last slide. And hey, you get it. He submitted himself. He humbled himself. Paul wrote, let this mind be in you which was in Christ who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here he was God manifest in the flesh. Why would he keep saying, whatever my father wants. I don't have to submit myself to anybody. And Pilate tells him, if you'll just say the word, I'll let you go. And for just a moment, his humanity kind of showed. And he said, look, buddy, you don't realize I could call. You think I'm standing here because of your soldiers? That's what you think? That you've got me in jail? You haven't done anything to me. That's why. But he took upon himself no reputation, a form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The King of kings and the Lord of lords took off his crown. For one reason, he wanted a bride that he could put a crown on. Oh, when you feel like you're going through it and that no one knows and no one cares and you're overwhelmed, I want you to understand the King of all kings. And when the chief shepherd, notice it calls him a shepherd, that low class, lowest form of person the Jews would look at, that stinky shepherd, when that shall appear, what is he going to have? He's got crowns of glory. Oh, you may not get a lot of recognition here, but one of these days the angels will step aside as the bride. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your background the reason he came at Christmas was so that I could walk down a street of gold that is so pure it looks crystal clear and I could stand and receive a crown of life we're going to be so overwhelmed at that day that the Bible says as John described the events that we'll take them off and throw them at his feet why? why? Because it's not about me. Oh, what you've done for me. Oh, how you've loved me. Oh, what you went through. I'm so thankful you went through all of this. Had there been no one else, you did it for me. Let's stand. Hallelujah.